Time to wake Time up. To wake up. <laughs> <laughs> no longer can we rely on those same people in the media and politics who will say anything to keep our rigged system in place. Instead, we must choose to believe in America. History is watching us now. We don't have much time, but history is watching. It's waiting to see if we will rise to the occasion and if we will show the whole world that America is still free and independent and strong. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another or from one party to another, but we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. For too long, a small group in our nation's capital has reaped the rewards of government, while the people have borne the cost. You are tuned into His Hard Line. Welcome to the number one show many have yet to discover. Our priorities of discussion are quite simple. We put God first. We talk about good health and how to fortify our families, followed by how we restore the republic so we can have a strong nation once again. So patriots, so patriots assemble. 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 Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you're at in the world, because I'm sure there might be people that'll be listening to this on the download side, probably in the evening, probably in the afternoon, probably in the morning. I don't know. That's why we say good evening, good afternoon, good morning. So hope everybody's having a good start to the day so far. It is Friday, March 24th, 2023. I am Jason, your co-host with God and Jesus Christ at my side because they are the host with the most. They are at the helm. They're at the wheel and they are steering this ship through these crazy waters that we call life. So welcome. Glad to have everybody here. So welcome, 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 welcome. All right. So today's episode 494 is going to be one that's going to be a little bit different from the rest of the shows. Um, It's called 12 Angry Men, Jury Deliberation. Now, the movie 12 Angry Men is an old black and white movie that came out in 1957. Now, basically what it's about. So following the closing arguments in a murder trial. There are 12 members, excuse me, hold on. I forgot to start the streaming on Clout Clout Hub here. Let me just do that real quick. Sorry about that, guys. Boy, oh boy, don't want to forget that. I did that at the last, a couple days ago. I did the Bible show, was able, (laughs) I recorded it, and I totally forgot to do the second show. So, oops, let me at least do it while we're still at the beginning here. All right, start streaming. There we go. 
All right. I think we got what I needed. Okay. I think we're good. So back to what I was just saying. So, all right. <laughs> Rietta says, how rude. Yes, I know. Rude. <laughs> um, but the, the movie 12 Angry Men. And because I just had to start the clout hub. This is episode 494. We're going to talk about the movie 12 Angry Men, which is a jury deliberation movie. And so, like I said, following the closing arguments in a murder trial, the 12 members of a jury must deliberate with a guilty verdict, meaning the death sentence for the accused, which was in this movie, an inner city teen. And as the dozen men try to reach an, a unanimous decision while sequestered in a room, one juror cast a considerable doubt on the elements of the case. Now, personal issues soon rise up on the surface and it conflicts, you know, the conflict threatens to derail the delicate process that will uh, decide this boy's fate. Now, the director of this movie is Sidney uh, Lamette. Screenplay was by Reginald Rose. But yeah, the movie's called 12 Angry Men. And, 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 I, and I actually will provide a link if you want in the show notes. And I'll, I'll post it as well on uh, Telegram and True Social. So you can, you can watch the whole movie if you choose. It's a very good movie, um, especially if you're into the black and whites. You know, but again, if you're looking for something like, you know, Top Gun Maverick or you're looking for something that's like, you know, action packed, like Fast and the Furious, anything like that, you're, you're not going to get any of that. Just just saying. All right. So I have some sound bites that we're going to play here um, from the movie. I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. And then one sound bite from Kirk from KLC, Kirk Pendergrass. Because he talks about this very thing, uh, not the 12 angry men, but the jury. So just to kind of put it in perspective, you might be asking, well, Jason, why are you going over this? Like, what, what's the purpose of going over this movie, 12 angry men? Well, <clears throat> when you become a member of the assembly, oh, oh, wait, wait a minute. I got to say this. Okay. I got to put out my disclaimer for all the Karens and Darrens out there. Remember, as I always state periodically on a podcast, I am not a doctor. I don't wear a white coat. I'm not a financial advisor, a pastor, priest, deacon, or biblical scholar, or a bar lawyer. Therefore, I do not give out legal advice. I am also not a, the official face or voice of the national, state, or county assemblies. Additionally, I do not advocate for violence. I am my own man, and the opinions, thoughts, and statements are of my own unless I reference other material like I am about to hear. There we go. Got to make sure we get that out. Very, very important for the Karens and Darrens of the world. In case you're wondering what a Darren is, it's the male version of a Karen. I just like saying it. The Karens and Darrens of the world. <laughs> you know, here's the thing, guys. Truth be told, in my entire life of 36 years, I've never met a solid man and a good man named Darren. Now, I'm not saying that they don't exist. I'm sure they do. But my experience is every Darren I've ever came across has always been somebody that was not a nice guy. We'll just say that. Just saying. 
And yeah, that might be a little judgy, but I'm just saying that's been my experience with anybody with the name Darren. So there it is. So anyways, but, um, <laughs> I'm glad you think that's funny, Rietta. <laughs> I don't know why that LOL made me laugh, but, um, I'm just speaking, I'm just, look, I'm just speaking my truth here. Okay. This is partially my truth here. <laughs> okay. The Karens and Darrens of the world. <laughs> But this movie, I watched it twice. It's a pretty, it's a pretty, my wife says that's very judgy. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> this is one thing I will say I don't care <laughs> on. Um, oh, man. I got to stop laughing now. Um, <laughs> stupid. <laughs> oh, Rietta's got a cousin named Darren. I love my cousin, Darren. <laughs> He might be the exception to the rule. <laughs> Watch Rietta's cousin, Darren might be like the biggest saint in the world. Kind of like equivalent to my father-in-law. He's probably like the best man in the world. <laughs> she says, Rietta says, Katie, he is going to get himself in trouble. <laughs> and she says, no, not a saint. <laughs> Let's stay on point. Oh my gosh. I got to stay on point. So that this 12 angry men though. So like I said, it, it starts about, it's a murder trial and these 12 guys come together. Oh, that's what I was going to say. So when you become an assembly member, before I had to get to the disclaimer, when you become an assembly member, you sign three documents. One of them is called a JCO. That is your jural covenant of office. Your jural covenant of office. Basically what you're saying, what you're stating is that in a de jure government, not the de facto, because remember de facto, they send you a letter and they say, Hey, you've been randomly picked for jury duty. And it is, you have to call this number and we have to basically make sure that we can use you, but you have no choice in a matter. You have to do this. All right. Now with the de jure government, you are, you are, you know, with this Republic, you are actively volunteering and saying, yes, I swear to, you know, to, to, do a service of this for this country and put my name in the hat to be a jurist when grand juries and petite county juries, you know, on the county level, petite juries and panel to deliberate a, um, to deliberate and listen to a trial. All right. That's what the JCO does. You are volunteering yourself to be an American to throw his or her name in the, uh, in the hat to be picked when needed. When these juries get impaneled in common law and you have to deliberate a case. Now, the reason I'm going over this is because this kind of shows you what a deliberation looks like if you've never been through a deliberation. Now, I've never been through a deliberation. And just like Rietta, I've, I've been called for jury duty, but I've never been actually called in, never been picked, right? Never had to go to the next steps of being questioned by the attorneys, the bar card holding people, never had to do any of that process, thankfully. But I had been picked via mail two different occasions. So, um, but there's that. So, all right. So what we're going to do is we're going to get into the first, let me get out of here. Hold on. I'll just push the wrong button on my phone here. I hate when I do that. We're going to get into the first scene of the show. 
So this is going to be kind of like, again, a synopsis of the show of, of the movie. All right. So, but you have the general gist of what the movie's about. Again, it's a murder trial of a young teenage boy who is on trial for supposedly murdering his father. And we're going to see the process being laid out here. Now, at the very end of the last uh, video clip that I'm going to play from this movie, there is a takeaway here. There is a takeaway because the lesson we're going to learn at the end of this is a lesson that not only do we need to carry into being a unbiased member of the jury, but we also need to take forward in our life, especially being an assembly member, again, which are, you know, you, you're, you're, it's very synonymous, okay? You have to be very unbiased, neutral. So here's the first sound clip. Maybe, hold on. I didn't have the volume up. Sorry, guys. You've listened to a long and complex case, murder in the first degree. A premeditated murder is the most serious charge tried in our criminal courts. You've listened to the testimony. You've had the law read to you and interpreted as it applies in this case. It's now your duty to sit down and try and separate the facts from the fancy. One man is dead. Another man's life is at stake. If there's a reasonable doubt in your minds as to the guilt of the accused, a reasonable doubt, then you must bring me a verdict of not guilty. Now, if, however, there's no reasonable doubt, then you must, in good conscience, find the accused guilty. However you decide, your verdict must be unanimous. In the event that you find the accused guilty, the bench will not entertain a recommendation for mercy. The death sentence is mandatory in this case. You're faced with a grave responsibility. Thank you, gentlemen. The alternate jurors are excused. <coughs> the jury will now retire. Okay, so that was the first scene. That's where the judge was basically saying what they have to do, giving them instructions. Okay, now is your time to go deliberate and come up with a verdict. All right, next next sound clip. Okay, uh, gentlemen, uh, if I can have your attention, uh, you fellas can uh, handle this thing any way that you want to. I'm... Uh, you know, I'm not going to make any rules. Uh, we can, well, discuss it first and uh, then vote on it. That's, of course, uh, that's uh, one way. And, uh, well, we can uh, vote on it right now. And I think it's customary to take a preliminary vote. Yeah, let's, let's vote. Who knows? Maybe we can all get out of here, huh? Uh-huh. Okay, then uh, I think that, um, of course, you know that we uh, have a first-degree murder charge here. And if we vote the accused guilty, uh, we've got to send him to the chair um that's mandatory i think we know that let's yeah let's see who's where yeah, well. okay um anyone does want to vote okay then uh just remember that this has to be 12 to nothing either way um that's the law okay are we ready uh, all those voting guilty please raise your hands One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. 
Okay, that's 11. Guilty. Oh, is Bunny not guilty? One. Right. 11 guilty, one not guilty. Well, now we know where we are. Boy, oh boy, there's always one. <laughs> oh, what do we do now? I guess we talk. Boy, oh boy. You really think he's innocent? I don't know. I mean, you sat in court with the rest of us. You heard what we did. The kid's a dangerous killer. You could see it. He's 18 years old. Well, that's old enough. He, he stabbed his own father four inches into the chest. They proved it a dozen different ways in court. Would you like me to list them for you? No. Then what do you want? I just want to talk. Well, what's there to talk about? Eleven men in here think he's guilty. No one had to think about it twice except you. I want to ask you something. Do you believe his story? I don't know whether I believe it or not. Maybe I don't. So how come you vote not guilty? Well, there were 11 votes for guilty. It's not easy to raise my hand and send a boy off to die without talking about it first. Well, now, who says it's easy? No one. What, just because I voted fast? I honestly think the guy's guilty. Couldn't change my mind if you talked for 100 years. I'm not trying to change your mind. It's just that we're talking about somebody's life here. We can't decide it in five minutes, supposing we're wrong. Supposing we're wrong. Supposing this whole building should fall down on my head. You can suppose anything. That's right. So what's the difference how long it takes? Suppose we uh, do it in five minutes, so what? Let's take an hour. Ball game doesn't start till eight o'clock. Who's got something? So this is kind of like the how it starts in the very beginning. They all kind of figure out, okay, how do we do this? How do we go about doing this deliberation? Well, I said, well, let's, let's just do a preliminary vote to see kind of where everybody stands, right? See kind of what, what pe- where people's minds are at, right? And as we heard, there was 11 guilty and then one man that voted not guilty. And of course, you know, some guys in there that are just kind of, you know, mumbling under their breath saying, oh boy, you know, there's always one. There is always one. And he says, well, you know, the, the, the rest of the men basically say to him in this dialogue or, you know, I shouldn't say dialogue because a dialogue is only two people. But in this in this conversation among the 12 men, you know, they're saying to the one guy who voted not guilty, well, you heard all the same evidence that we heard. You know, you you even thought yourself, like, don't you think that he's guilty? And he was like, well, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But at least we should probably talk about it. I mean, we're talking about a kid's, you know, life here being ended very, very quickly. We should at least give him the respect and the, you know, the time to discuss and look over the evidence rather than just go into a quick judgment and say, yep, guilty, 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 guilty. And then like five minutes later, boom, we're out and a kid dies, possibly innocently too. See, these are the very choices and the things that we have to think about when we become an assembly member. There are very hard decisions that you're going to be making testifying against wrongdoers, bad people, people that are doing things that they shouldn't be doing. Being a jurist is not an easy thing. 
whether in the in the case of being in a court or being an assembly member being a you know being part of this is not something to be taken like lightly like like Rietta was saying right here in the chat we had better take it very seriously because it is a very serious thing it's a serious duty which is why we're going over this today in fact at the um encouragement by Destry Payne himself he he's the one that actually up found the movie uploaded it and he even suggested he goes you know it's up to you but he goes this might be a really good podcast to do possibly on on this movie and i watched the movie not once but twice and i was like i I even thought to myself like you know what this would be a good show because this would explain exactly what's going to be needed and required in the near future when grand juries and panel to deliberate against these people have committed crimes against humanity now some people might be going up on trial that might legitimately be innocent maybe i don't know Maybe people who were guilty by association of bad people. I don't know. This is why we are going over this. Next sound clip. Who's got something to say? I'm willing to sit for an hour. Great. I heard a pretty good story last night. That's not why we're sitting here. All right, then you tell me. What are we sitting here for? I don't know, maybe no reason. Look, this kid's been kicked around all of his life. You know, born in a slum, mother dead since he was nine. He lived for a year and a half in an orphanage when his his father was serving a jail term for forgery. It's not a very happy beginning. He's a a wild, angry kid. That's all he's ever been. And you know why? Because he's been hit on the head by somebody once a day, every day. He's had, a, he's had a pretty miserable 18 years. I, I just think we owe him a few words, that's all. I don't mind telling you this, mister. We don't owe him a thing. He got a fair trial, didn't he? What do you think that trial cost? He's lucky he got it. Know what I mean? No. Look, we're all grown-ups in here. We heard the facts, didn't we? You're not going to tell me that we're supposed to believe this kid, knowing what he is. Listen, I've lived among them all my life. You can't believe a word they say. You know that. I mean, they're born liars. Only an ignorant man can believe that. Now, listen. Do you think you were born with a monopoly on the truth? I think certain things should be pointed out to this man. Come on, this isn't Sunday. We don't need a sermon. Come on, we have a job to do now. Let's do it. I love that. You weren't born on, you know, with the monopoly of the truth. That that was a great line. Nobody is born having a monopoly on the truth. Like I was saying in the previous show, when you think you know something to be true and then a paradigm shift occurs in your life and you're proven otherwise, a new set of information and evidence and facts are laid before you that runs contrary to what you once were taught by public schools, a.k.a. indoctrination camps. Are you too prideful and ignorant and stubborn to allow some of that knowledge that you now know and have been proven to be false are you are you willing to let some of that cup pour out which has muddy water into it so you can have fresh water get poured into it or are you just going to be sipping on that muddy water and choking it down no matter how bad it tastes no matter how much you choke on it i mean what do you choose 
Nobody has a monopoly on the truth. And this is something also very interesting. You know, they're deliberating here in this court. And this one man, one of the jurors, he's standing up and he's walking around. He's like, look, I know what these people are, knowing what he is. I mean, you can only assume when you listen to the deliberation of this movie of this of this young kid, that this kid is someone who lives in the ghetto of an inner city. Right. Someone that's looked at as, quote unquote, unfavorable to the rest of society. And what he does is he, he, he puts a prejudgment on him right off the bat. That's a big problem. See, even back then, and I think this is just human condition, but even back then, men and women have a, have, have a propensity of jumping to a quick judgment, right? Being prejudgy, almost kind of like I was with the name Darren. <laughs> but all kidding aside, it just definitely seems to be the case. We as human, you know, as, as men and women, I don't want to say human beings, but as men and women of God, and I think God knows this about us, he knows that most people's hearts are very easily corruptible, and it can be easily corruptible with a quick preconceived judgment. See, doesn't matter who a man or woman is, doesn't matter where they're from, doesn't matter if they're from the ghetto, if they're from the country, or they're from one country or another, or one state or another, or territory. It does not define, you know, somebody's environment should does not define who a man or a woman is. It can help shape or mold somebody, but it does not define who they are. Let's continue on here with this deliberation. Okay. Um, now, perhaps if the uh, gentleman down there who's disagreeing with us, uh, well, perhaps you could tell us why, you know, uh, let us know what you're thinking and uh, we might be able to show you where you're mixed up. Well, look, maybe, maybe this is an idea. Now, I haven't given it much thought, but it seems to me that it's up to the group of us to convince this gentleman that uh, he's wrong and we're right. Now, maybe if we each took a couple of minutes just to, well, it was just a quick idea. No, no, no. That's a good one. Um, suppose we go once around the table. I guess you're first. Oh. Well, uh, well, it's hard to put into words. I just think he's guilty. I thought it was obvious from the word go. I mean, nobody proved otherwise. Nobody has to prove otherwise. The burden of proof's on the prosecution. The defendant doesn't even happen to open his mouth. That's in the Constitution. Oh, well, sure, I know that. Uh, what I meant was is, well, I, I just think he's guilty. I mean, somebody saw him do it. Okay, uh, here's what I think, and I have no personal feelings about this. I just want to talk about facts. Number one. The old man lived downstairs under the room where the killing took place. At 10 minutes after 12 on the night of the killing, he heard loud noises, said it sounded like a fight. And he heard the kid yell out, I'm going to kill you. Second later, he heard a body hit the floor, ran to the door, opened it up, saw the kid running down the stairs and out of the house. Called the police. They came in, found the old man with a knife in his chest. The coroner fixed the time of death around midnight. Now, these are facts. You can't refute facts. The kid is guilty. 
I'm just as sentimental as the next fella. I know he's only 18, but he's still got to pay for what he did. I'm with you. Okay, um, you finished? Yeah, right, thanks. It was obvious, to me anyway, that the boy's entire story was flimsy. He claimed he was at the movies during the time of the killing, and yet one hour later, he couldn't remember the names of the films he saw or who played in them. That's right. And no one saw him going in or out of the theater. Listen, what about the woman across the street? If her testimony don't prove it, nothing does. That's right. She was the one who actually saw the killing. Now, fellas, please, let's go on order here, huh? Just a minute. Here's a woman... <coughs> Here's a woman who's lying in bed. She can't sleep. She's dying with the heat. You know what I mean? Anyway, she looks out the window, and right across the street, she sees the kid stick the knife into his father. The time is 12.10 on the nose. Everything fits. Look, she's known the kid all his life. His window was right opposite hers across the L tracks, and she swore she saw him do it. Through the windows of a passing L train. Right. This L train had no passengers on it. Just being moved downtown. The lights were out, remember? And they proved in court that at night you can look through the windows of an L train when the lights are out and see what's happening on the other side. They proved it. I'd like to ask you something. You don't believe the boy's story. How come you believe the woman's? She's one of them, too, isn't she? Wow. One of them, isn't she? That is very interesting. So the same guy that was trying to make the case about what the neighbor across the street, the lady who was looking through the L train that was passing by with the lights off and was able to quote-unquote, see the murder actually occur. Another jurist questioned him, saying, well, you if you don't believe the boy's story because he's one of them, then what makes you believe her story? She's one of them also, isn't she? That was a very good point that got brought up. See, this is why deliberation is so important. It's a meeting of the minds because one man sees something differently from the next. And where one set of facts seem to be perceived in one way can have a different angle to be looked at by another man. This is why a deliberation of 12 men is very, very important. And remember, the very beginning, the, at the very beginning, the very, first, um, the very first sound clip we played, all it took was one man, one, to say not guilty out of the 11 who voted guilty. Because remember, you have to have a unanimous vote of either guilty or not guilty. All right. And so now, as they proceed in this process, they begin discussing the facts, the evidence, the character of the people, who they are, perceivably. They talk about the witness below. And they talk about the witness from across the street what they supposedly saw, right? And the men are saying, all right, well, I think it's our job to explain to the one here who disagrees with us why he's wrong. Let's prove why he's wrong and why the rest of us are right. See, there's that pride thing again. We need to stop trying to, we need to stop trying to be put ourselves in a position to make us seem like we're right instead we need to just try to get it right see that's very important when we get in panel when we impanel a, co a common law grand jury stop trying to be right get it right 
you have to get it right because when you have a man's life on the line that's about ready to die because of a crime that he or she may or may not have committed, you better get it right and not just try to breeze through the jury or, you know, through the deliberation just because you want to go home and eat dinner or catch a ball game or sit on your lazy boy recliner and watch Netflix. Get it right or don't be a jurist in the assembly. Do not sign your JCO because that's not to be taken lightly. You understand me? That's a very serious thing. Next clip. Boy, I don't care what you do. All right, I don't have anything brilliant. I only know as much as you do. According to testimony, the boy looks guilty. Maybe he is. I sat there in court for six days listening while the evidence built up. Everybody sounded so positive. You know, I, I began to get a peculiar feeling about this trial. I mean, nothing is that positive. There are a lot of questions I would like to ask. I don't know, maybe they wouldn't have meant anything, but... I began to get the feeling that the defense counsel wasn't conducting a thorough enough cross-examination. I mean, he, he let too many things go by, little things. That... What little things? Listen, when these fellows don't ask questions, it's because they know the answers already and they figure they'll be hurt. Maybe it's also possible for a lawyer to be just plain stupid, isn't it? I mean, it's possible. You sound like you met my brother-in-law. <laughs> <coughs> That's right. It's funny what he said there. You know, they listen to six days worth of trial and, and facts and everything like that. And it may, they make the comment about how, you know, they, they make the comment of how the attorney didn't do his job in cross-examination, trying to determine, you know, trying to ask more questions, more discovery questions, right? Try to get to the bottom of of, of his client's innocence. I mean, and, and the 12 men there were just saying, well, it could be very well possible that this, you know, this attorney pretty much could be very well stupid. Leslie Liberty brings a very good point here on the chat board. She says the next one on trial could be yourself, especially in today's world. Do you want to have a jury of men and women who just deliberate willy nilly because they want to just go home to their families and, and just be done with the day? because they're so burdened by it? Or do you want 12 men and women who are really going to sit and be unbiased, be neutral, be impartial, and really look at everything and spend 10, 12 hours in that room if they have to? Think about that for a second. What kind of deliberation would you want? So if you ever are impaneled in a common law grand jury, you better keep that in the back of your mind. Do not just rush through it just for the sake of, well, I just want to go home. Then don't become an assembly member and sign a JCO, which is your Juro Covenant of Office. Plain and simple. Nancy says right here, that is very true, Leslie. I want a jury that does their job. <laughs> so do I. But I'm also going to make sure that I don't put myself in any type of position that, you know, puts me <laughs> in the bench there and, and being prosecuted. Uh, but like like Leslie Liberty said, today's world, you know, um, you know, anything's possible. But again, as long as you keep yourself clean, you shouldn't have no problem and shouldn't be on the defendant end of, you know, of a courtroom. And like I said, you know, anything's possible. Next clip. So now what they're doing real quick, uh, just to kind of paint the scene here, they're, they're, they've done another vote 
Okay, now they've done multiple votes. I'm not going to play every part of this movie because it's a very long movie. But they, they're right now what they're doing is they're reading the sheets of paper and their votes. All right. So just that's what's happening right now in the beginning part of the scene to see. Okay, let's do a recount, see where people sit. Guilty. 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 Not guilty. Guilty. Boy, how do you like that? Oh, another chap swoops his wings. All right. Who was it? Come on, I want to know. Excuse me. This was a secret ballot. We all agreed on that, no? If the gentleman wants it to remain secret. Secret? What do you mean, secret? There are no secrets in a jury room. I know who it was. Brother, you really are something. You sit here, vote guilty like the rest of us, and some golden-voiced preacher starts tearing your poor heart out about some underprivileged kid just couldn't help becoming a murderer, and you change your vote. <laughs> if that isn't the most sickening... Why don't you drop a quarter in this collection box? Oh, now, just wait a minute. Listen, you can't talk to me uh, like that. No, who do you think you are? Calm down, calm down. No, what does down. he think he is? It you doesn't him? matter. He's very excitable. Sit down. Excitable? You bet I'm excitable. We're trying to put a guilty man in the chair where he belongs. Someone starts telling us fairy tales and we're listening. Hey, uh, come on, huh? What made you change your vote? He didn't change his vote. I did. Oh, fine. I know it. Would you like me to tell you why? <clears throat> No, I wouldn't like you to tell me why. Well, I'd like to make it clear anyway, if you don't mind. Do we have to listen to this? The man wants to talk. Thank you. This gentleman has been standing alone against us. Now, he doesn't say the boy is not guilty. He just isn't sure. Well, it's not easy to stand alone against the ridicule of others. So he gambled for support. And I gave it to him. I respect his motives. But the boy in trial is probably guilty. But uh, I want to hear more. Right now, the vote is 10 to 2. I'm talking here. You have no right to leave this room. I hear you. You never will. Let's sit down. Yeah, very interesting. Very, very interesting. So, again, they did another secret ballot. One member of the jury now changed his vote from guilty to not guilty via secret ballot. And, of course, it stirs an uproar, hence why the movie is called 12 Angry Men, right? And, you know, this one man. The, 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 actually, the majority of them, of these jury jurists, went to one specific man sitting down because they thought it was him. They're like, really? You're now changing your vote because, you know, somebody's preaching, you know, you know this, that, and the other? But a different jurist stands up. He says, he didn't change his vote. I did. And you want to hear why? And, of course, you did hear why. He says, basically, in a nutshell, he goes, this man didn't say whether you know didn't say that he wasn't guilty what he's saying is that he isn't sure and would like to discuss it further but yet you guys are attacking him because he questions it a little bit further while everybody else was so quick to to vote otherwise just to you know for the sake of time and he was saying i respect his motives because while he's trying to get to the bottom of this no matter what the evidence shows he's gone up against us 11 and that can't be an easy position to be put in. 
And he is absolutely right. It is not an easy position to be put in, which is why standing for the truth can be a very hard thing, especially when you're by yourself. So that was a very important scene right there. One man got swayed to a not guilty because, again, the motives and the conviction of the one in the very beginning who voted not guilty wanted to give a solid look at everything. I'm looking at the chat here. Rietta was saying being a believer in Jesus could bring you bring us before a jury one day, but it would be worth it. Yeah, absolutely. You know what? You're absolutely correct. You may not be wrong. I hope you're wrong, but you may not be wrong, especially after the show I played the other night where they're trying to ban, you know, preaching Jesus and reading the Bible. Leslie Liberty was saying, uh, agree, Jason. It's been said that we all break like 20 laws per day and don't even know it. Just going from one county to another is scary when you think about it. Each city, county, et cetera, has their own laws, quote unquote laws. Um, true, except we're going to change the word laws to statutes and codes because this is what the Roman civil law does. They create these, well, these, you know, uh, what is it? Um, oh, what is it called? It's something of a tainter. Um, Mm. See, I'm not a lawyer, so I can't talk about these things and have all the, the but but that's what they do. They they create these uh, things, uh, bills of attainder. Thank you, Leslie Liberty. Yes, bills of attainder. See, they create these statutes and these codes, as Kirk from Kirk's Law Corner says, these codes, this is all de facto. Okay. See, this is why assembling is very vital and important, why we need to get our assembly of states, because when we revert back to common law, it we only go on trial if there's a victim, right? If there's a victim, if you've committed murder, if you committed harm, if you've committed theft, if you committed fraud, rape, anything that pretty much breaks a 10 commandment, if you will, all right? Again, the common laws, the 10 principles, the 10 common law principles, okay? Yeah, you're going to stand trial for. It. But if you're if you're outside on a sidewalk, in a town and you're having a beer, you should not be fined and arrested. Right? I mean, because again, we're dealing with statutes and codes. Now, yes, the statutes and codes are still in force. It's not saying that they aren't valid, but remember the, uh, my point I'm getting here, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. I get it. I get it. They're still there and there's still policy officers, AKA police, and they can still do their job. And because they're deceived, they can put us in jail. I understand that. But my point is, do you understand this is the importance of why we need to assemble our states? That's my point. We can argue all day long what the de facto can do to us. Absolutely. There's a reason why I'm still paying taxes. If I don't pay taxes, I can go to jail. My point here is these are statutes and codes disguised as laws. They're not true laws. In fact, when all of this stuff shakes out in our assembly states, we get 38 plus states. Again, three quarters of the 50 states. All this crap goes away. That's my point that I'm making at here. Now, the next thing we're going to play here is another scene. Oh, uh, does anybody want a cough drop? No, thanks. I'll take one. You can say what you like. I still don't see how anybody can think he's not guilty. There's something else I'd like to talk about for a minute. Thanks. 
I think we proved that the old man couldn't have heard the boy say, I'm going to kill you. But supposing he did. You didn't prove it at all. What are you talking about? about? Supposing he really did hear it. This phrase, how many times have all of us used it? Probably thousands. I could kill you for that, darling. Junior, you do that once more and I'm going to kill you. Get in there, Rocky, and kill us. <laughs> say it every day. That doesn't mean we're really going to kill him. Wait a minute. What are you trying to give us here? The phrase was, I'm going to kill you. The kid yelled it at the top of his lungs. Don't tell me you didn't mean it. Anybody says a thing like that the way he said it, they mean it. Well, gee, now, I don't know. I remember I was arguing with a guy I worked next to at the bank a couple weeks ago. He called me an idiot, so I yelled at him. Now, listen, this guy's trying to make you believe things that aren't so. The kid said he was going to kill him, and he did kill him. Let me ask you this. Do you really think the boy would shout out a thing like that so the whole neighborhood could hear him? I don't think so. He's much too bright for that. Bright? He's a common, ignorant slob. He don't even speak good English. He doesn't even speak good English. Mr. Foreman, I'd like to change my vote to not guilty. You what? You heard me. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. The vote is nine to three in favor of guilty. Wow. So now they're talking about kind of what the boy said before the boy's father supposedly got killed by the boy, right? So they're saying it has been heard by the neighbor that's below in the apartment building. He he hears the boy, I'm going to kill you. And now what the the liber, you know, the 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 jurist are talking about now is okay, well what's the context? Sure. That man may have heard, I'm going to kill you, quote unquote, right? But how many times in our own life have we gotten irritated with somebody or, you know, a friend of ours? I'm like, man, I can't believe you did that. I could kill you for that. Doesn't mean you're actually going to do it. Now, I would not say that that's, you know, you probably shouldn't be saying that. Right? Like, you really shouldn't be saying stuff like that. Because, again, no matter what the context, words, words are important. Words have meaning. Words matter. Whether if you mean it in a hyperbolic state or, uh, you know, or if you mean it, you know, in a, in a certain kind of sense and not literal, metaphorical, it doesn't matter. You probably shouldn't say it. And look, I'm guilty of that too. Need to watch what we say. Words are important. But what now what they're arguing here is, well, what's the context here? I mean, everybody said at one point in time, I'm going to kill you. And they never do it because they're not serious. It's like a, an expression. And then you get a guy now in the jury who now changes his vote from not guilty or from guilty to not guilty. So now the dominoes are starting to fall toward the other way. Why? Because they're discussing things, not just the evidence. See, you can have all the proof and evidence laid out before you. But what lies within the evidence? What's the context? Can you show intent? These are the things that a deliberated jury discusses. You can't just look at the facts that any lawyer presents because you they could present anything and spin the story to the offender or defender's cause. We see it all the time with the media. They'll show a frame of reference of something in the news, and they only show a certain frame. And they tell you a story about it, not realizing what's going on outside of the frame. This is why the fake news should never be listened to. It's no wonder Trump would always say, 
You are fake news. Go ahead. That's right. What's outside the frame? What is outside the frame? Next sound clip. It's always difficult to keep personal prejudice out of a thing like this. Wherever you run into it, prejudice always obscures the truth. I don't really know what the truth is. I don't suppose anybody will ever really know. Nine of us now seem to feel that the defendant is innocent. But we're just gambling on probabilities. We may be wrong. We may be trying to let a guilty man go free. I don't know. Nobody really can. But we have a reasonable doubt. And that's something that's very valuable in our system. No jury can declare a man guilty unless it's sure. We nine can't understand how you three are still so sure. Maybe you can tell us. I'll try. You've made some excellent points, but I still believe the boy is guilty of murder, and I have two reasons. One, the evidence given by the woman across the street who actually saw the murder committed. As far as I'm concerned, that's the most important testimony. And two, the fact that she described the stabbing by saying she saw the boy raise his arm over his head and stab down into the father's chest. She saw him do it the wrong way. That's absolutely right. Let's talk about this woman for a moment. She said she went to bed about 11 o'clock that night. Her bed was next to the window and she could look out while lying down and see directly into the boy's room across the street. She tossed and turned for over an hour, unable to sleep. Finally, she turned toward the window at about 10 minutes after 12, and as she looked out, she saw the killing through the windows of a passing L train. She said the lights went out immediately after the killing, but that she got a good look at the boy in the act of stabbing his father. As far as I can see it, this is unshakable testimony. Well, that's the whole case. What do you think? How about you? So much evidence to sift. This is a pretty complicated business. Frankly, I don't see how you can vote for acquittal. It's not so easy to arrange all the evidence in order. And... You can throw out all the other evidence. The woman saw him do it. What else do you want? Yeah, well, maybe... Let's vote on it. Okay, there's another vote call for. Anyone object? All right, I'm changing my vote. It's guilty. Anybody else? The vote is eight to four. Why is this such a personal triumph for you? It's one vote. Okay, I say we're a hung jury. I say we take it into the judge. How about it? I want to hear arguments. You, you're the leader of the cause. What about it? Let's go over it again. We've been over it again. The boy in the gray flannel suit here is bouncing backwards and forwards like a tennis ball. No point in getting nasty. He's trying to turn this into a contest. Okay. Maybe we Okay, so we're getting down to the last three clips of the movie, and then I got one final clip with KLC. So we heard something about a hung jury. Just so you know, there is no such thing as a hung jury. You either got guilty, not guilty, or an acquittal. Okay, there, there's no hung jury. That's not a thing at all. Okay.
So in the very beginning of this clip, they talk about how prejudice always obscures the truth. Prejudice always obscures the truth. That couldn't be a more factual statement. It can. That's why, that's why you need to have an unbiased, impartial, neutral man or woman who swears to uphold that sacred oath of making sure you look at everything and not be persuaded by bribery or fear or whatever. And they were saying no jury can declare a guilty verdict unless they are sure that is very, very true. Now, the one man in the, in the scene here who gets periodically overexcited, we're going to learn something about him at the very, very end. Because the man who gets overly excited in just about the majority of this movie, we find out that he ends up being the Lone Ranger still pulling for a guilty verdict. And we start to understand why. And we're going to get a takeaway from all this when we get to the very end. But now at this point, we're at eight guilty, four not guilty. See, the dominoes are starting to fall the other direction. Why? Because they're continuing to talk about it. They're continuing to analyze the facts as they are. They're looking at the context. They're looking at every little detail of the evidence. See, the evidence at face value may not be just enough. You have to look beyond the evidence, the, the details of the evidence. But yet the one guy who gets overly excited says, you could throw away all the other evidence. We got clear visual from the woman who said she saw the boy stab his father. We don't need any other evidence. We got her testimony. Boom, done. What are we arguing about? Let's continue. Don't you feel well? I feel perfectly well, thank you. I was saying that 7 o'clock would be a reasonable time. Uh, the reason I asked about that was because uh, you were up your nose like... Oh, I'm sorry for interrupting, but you made a gesture that reminded me of something. I'm trying to settle something here. Do you mind? Well, I think this is important. Thank you. Now then, I'm sure you'll pardon me for this, but I was wondering why you rub your nose like that. Oh, come on, will you? At this point, I happen to be talking to the gentleman sitting next to you. Now, why were you rubbing your nose like that? Well, if it's any of your business, I was rubbing it because it bothers me a little. Oh, I'm sorry. Is it, is it because of your eyeglasses? It is. Now, could we get on to something else? Your eyeglasses made those two deep impressions in the size of your nose. I hadn't noticed that before. That must be annoying. It is very annoying. Oh, I wouldn't know about that. I've never worn eyeglasses. 2020. Listen, will you come on already with the optometrist bit? The woman who testified that she saw the killing had those same marks on the sides of her nose. Just give me a minute. Now I'll be finished. I don't know if anyone else knows that about her. I didn't think of it then, but I've been going over her face in my mind. She had those same marks. She kept rubbing them in court. He's right. Now she did do that a lot. This woman was about, uh, about 45 years old. She's making a tremendous effort to look 35 for her first public appearance. Heavy makeup, 
dyed hair. Brand new clothes that should have been worn by a younger woman. No glasses, but women do that. See if you can get a mental picture of her. What do you mean, no glasses? How do you know whether she wore glasses? Just because she was rubbing her nose? Now, she had those marks. I saw them. But so what? What do you think that means? Listen, I'm getting so sick of your yelling oh, at him. come on, forget it. Hey, listen. Listen, he's, he's right. I saw them, too. I was the closest one to her. She had these, uh, these things on the side of her nose. What do you call this uh, on the side? Well, what point are you making here? She had dyed hair, marks on her nose. Well, what does that mean? Could those marks be made by anything other than eyeglasses? No, they couldn't. I didn't see any marks. I did. Strange, but I didn't think about it before. Well, what about the lawyer? Why didn't he say something? There are 12 people in here concentrating on this case. 11 of us didn't think of it either. Well, what about the district attorney? You think he'd pull a trick like that? Have her testify without her glasses? Do you ever see a woman who had to wear glasses and didn't want to because she thinks they spoil her looks? Okay, she had marks on her nose. I'm giving you that. From glasses, right? She didn't want to wear them out of the house so people think she's gorgeous. But when she saw this kid killing his father, she was in the house alone. That's all. Do you wear glasses when you go to bed? No, I don't. No one wears eyeglasses to bed. It's logical to assume that she wasn't wearing them when she was in bed, tossing and turning, trying to fall asleep. How do you know? I don't know. I'm guessing. I'm also guessing that she probably didn't put her glasses on when she turned to look casually out of the window. And she herself testified the killing took place just as she looked out. The lights went off a split second later. She couldn't have had time to put them on there. Wait a second. Here's another guess. Maybe she honestly thought she saw the boy kill his father. I say she only saw a blur. How do you know what she saw? How does he know all that? How do you know what kind of glasses she wore? Maybe there were sunglasses. Maybe she was farsighted. What do you know about her? I only know the woman's eyesight is in question now. She had to be able to identify a person 60 feet away at night without glasses. You can't send someone off to die on evidence like that. Oh, don't give me that. Don't you think the woman might have made a mistake? No. It's not possible. No, it's not possible. Is it possible? So, so now the jury is starting to look at evidence that wasn't really submitted as official evidence. So one man noticed that another jurist was rubbing the bridge of his nose because he wore eyeglasses. And anybody who wears eyeglasses, you would know that it's pretty irritating. And sometimes you just, I mean, look, I don't wear eyeglasses. I wear safety glasses and sunglasses at work. And even for me, it gets irritating and I have to take them off and rub my nose because, you know, it hurts sometimes. It gets irritating. So this one jurist basically, as you all heard, discovered that the woman had the same marks, the indents on her eyes, on her bridge of her nose, I should say. Now questioning her eyesight and then questioning the sequence of events of how she was able to see in such detail the events that took place 60 feet away across the street from her bedroom window, what happened on the other side, on the other building, uh, through an L train at night. And like the one guy said, for all we know, she all she could have saw was a blur. Sure, she she may have seen something happen, but how does she know it was the boy? And so more evidence and more stuff gets talked about here. And like I said, I'm not going to play through everything because it, it would take us forever. We're already going on an hour. So we're going to find out something about this man here who gets very, very excited, as we heard in this last clip, 
We're going to learn something very, very much about him. Now, I have two clips. I got to make sure I go to the last clip that I need to play, and then I'm going to revert back to the second to the last clip. So let me go to this for a second. I'm going to pause this for a second. So what we're about to hear now, I'm going back into the movie a little bit because I, I forgot to clip this. So we're going back to the beginning, in a way, of the movie while they're just now sitting down and they're you know, trying to figure out, they're getting to know each other, all right? Listen to this, and then we'll get to the last clip here. Now, what you're going to hear is the man who's been constantly excited and constantly throwing his arms in the air, flailing around, throwing temper tantrums. Okay, this is who is talking now. Listen to what he says here in the in, closer to the beginning of the movie. When I was a kid, I used to call my father, sir. That's right. Sir, do you ever hear a kid call his father that anymore? Fathers don't seem to think it's important anymore. You got any kids? Three. I got one. Twenty-two years old. Showing a picture. Nine years old, he ran away from a fight. He was showing a picture of his son to the guys. I saw it. I was so embarrassed, I almost threw up. I said, I'm going to make a man out of you if I have to break you in two trying. Well, I made a man out of him. When he was 16, we had a fight. Hit me in the jaw, he's a big kid. I haven't seen him for two years. Kids, work your heart out. Let's get going. I think we're so he's basically showing that he has a son in the very beginning of this movie. And he was saying him and his son had a fight when his son was 16. And his son took a little bit too much and finally broke and clocked his dad. So that's a little context there of the man who's constantly getting excited, constantly saying this boy is guilty, constantly suggesting that we send him to the chair. The evidence is stacked against him. There's nothing to talk about. We need to send this boy to the chair. What else do you men need? He's guilty. Let's listen to the last clip. This is very interesting. There's a takeaway from all of this. Not guilty. You think he's guilty? I think he's guilty. So they're going around doing another vote, like the eighth, ninth, tenth vote. And now the majority of the jurists are saying that he's not guilty, except this one man. You? No. I'm convinced. Everybody's saying no. Not guilty. What's the matter with you? I have a reasonable doubt now. Eleven to one. But what about all the other evidence? What about all that stuff? The, the, the knife, the, the whole business? Well, you said we could throw out all the other evidence. Well, what do we do now? You're alone. I don't care whether I'm alone or not. It's my right. It's your right. 
on the scene, everybody's just looking at him now because now there's 11 to 1. 11 not guilty and 1 guilty. This man right here who is explaining how he and his son had a fight when he was 16 years old, trying to make a man out of him. Now watch what happens next. Well, what do you want? I say he's guilty. I want to hear your arguments. I gave you my arguments. We're not convinced. We want to hear them again. We have as much time as it takes. Everything, every single thing that took place in that courtroom, but I mean everything, says he's guilty. What do you think? I'm an idiot or something? Why don't you take that stuff about the old man? The old man who lived there and heard everything. Or this business about the knife. What, because we found another one exactly like it? The old man saw him right there on the stairs. What's the difference how many seconds it was? single thing. The knife falling through a hole in his pocket. You can't prove he didn't get to the door. Sure, you can take all the time, hobble around the room, but you can't prove it. And what about this business of the L and the movies? There's a phony deal if I ever heard one. I bet you $5,000 I'd remember the movies I saw. I'm telling you, everything that's gone on has been twisted and turned. This business with the glasses? How do you know she didn't have them on? This woman testified in open court. And what about hearing the kid yell? Huh? I'm telling you, I've got all the facts here. Here. Uh-huh. Well, that's it. That's the whole case. Well, say something. You lousy bunch of bleeding hearts. You're not going to intimidate me. I'm entitled to my opinion. Rotten kids, you work your life out. Now he's ripping the picture of his son that he was looking at on the table, just to kind of paint the scene there. He's going and doing his thing, and he's now ripping the picture of his son, basically, you know, claiming, you know, you work your life for him. For what? Now he's crying. Not guilty. Now he changes his verdict to not guilty. So now you got 12 to 0. Not guilty. right you want answers i think i'm entitled you want answers i want the truth you can't handle the truth and that right there is the truth see you gotta look at everything folks you can't just do a fly by night um 
you know, deliberation. You just can't do that. When you are impaneled on a common law grand jury, whether if you're on a petite jury on the county level or a grand jury, you cannot just put out a guilty verdict just because it's convenient and easy for you. And it gets you home to your family that much sooner so you can have dinner and get to bed on a reasonable time. That's not how that crap works. This is why it's so very much important that when you sign your jural covenant of office as an assembly member, as well as your declaration of independence, when you sign that and your, um, and, uh, your DOI and your, uh, Oh, I forgot the other one now. Forgive me. My brain is fried right now, but most importantly, your JCO. That is a duty that is not to be taken lightly. Like Rietta was just saying, it's very sobering thinking of the responsibility we have. It absolutely is. We were just having a discussion about this yesterday, about talking about how, you know, my, you know, between conversations that my mom and my wife and, you know, we all have saying, you know, I can't wait till one day that day comes where, you know, everything will come out and people who have been asleep this whole time will finally see the truth for what it is. It's going to be so vindicating. Sure. It will be for a, a minute, but let's not forget. And this is the point that I was making. Sure, it's going to be vindicating because it's all going to come out and we're going to see all the criminals for who they really truly are and for what they actually really did. But make no mistake, the hard decisions we're about to make after that, the amount of trials that are going to be going on, you know how much, you know how many people are going to die for their crimes? And I'm not saying that to say that I feel bad for these people. I say that to say this. This country is about to see something occur of which has never been seen in, in history. And we need to be very certain and prepared mentally what we're about to witness, experience, and, and, and see through. Sure, it's going to be very vindicating to see all these bad, evil people go down. But remember, we're going to be in charge of some very responsible, you know, very heavy decisions. And we're about to witness some very heavy things. I agree with Rietta right here. The truth has been so manipulated. We must be sure of everything. Don't be so prideful as to think you know everything. You don't have a monopoly on the truth. Leave your mind open for new information because something might just contradict what you thought to be true. So anyway, that's all I got for you. There is one last clip I want to play. This is by Kurt on KLC. Listen to this. A man hath the right to demand the cause and nature of his accusation, to be confronted with the accusers and witnesses, to call for evidence in his favor and a speedy trial by an impartial jury of his vicinage. Now, what they've removed from there is an impartial jury of 12 men of his vicinage. Now, here's the key. Without whose unanimous consent, he cannot be found guilty. This is the beyond a reasonable doubt standard. There is no such thing as a hung jury. That's right. The moving party has to get consent 
from all 12 men. If one out of that 12 says, you know, I'm just not quite convinced. That is an acquittal. They didn't meet the standard of the right that dictates you got to have unanimous consent. Again, there is no such thing as a hung jury. You cannot be tried twice for the same thing. You get one chance at trial. That's it. <clears throat> That's it. You get one chance. One chance at that trial. <clears throat> one, one man or woman who says, eh, I'm not quite convinced. You got an acquittal at that point. Do not be an assembly member, which you know requires you to sign a JCO, which is a general covenant of office. Do not think about it unless you can be impartial, unbiased, neutral, and, and, and just really honestly not persuade by any one man or woman. You have to really be a true observer of the facts and the evidence and look at the, you know, the context behind the evidence. You got to look at everything, be observant. You have to be in a personal private investigator. You have to look at things beyond what most people will look at. This is very important business folks. I don't take this lightly. I do not take my duties lightly which is why we need good sound men and women of God, righteous people. And look, I'm not saying we're saints it has nothing to do with sainthood it has everything to do with doing what's right. Stop trying to be right and try to get it right. Understand? Very important. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much for this time and this day together. I appreciate you guiding my words and guiding the show where it needed to go and for allowing me to um, hear when you wanted me to air this particular episode. We believe it to be very important for what we see coming forward with what people are doing. Things are occurring, bad people are going down. And as we continue to grow our national assembly, our assembly of states, the number of jurists also grow. We need to have good sound men and women under you, God, under your direction, under your command to make the proper and difficult decisions when these grand juries impanel. Please guide these men and women, guide me as well to make proper decisions during difficult trials and, and, and making different, you know, difficult choices. It's going to be a very, very tough path, but I think it's a path that we will be able to endure. Let us all have the heart of Jesus Christ within us. Allow Jesus to guide our thoughts, our mind, our words, as well as our actions. As Rietta states right here, please, Lord, guide us, show us truth. Give us wisdom and discernment to do your will. Help us to always make the correct decision which I think is a good way to end in saying in Jesus' mighty name, we pray, amen. Amen, ladies and gentlemen. I think this was a very great show, very informative. 
something different than we typically have here. Like I said, sometimes the shows here are a bit boring. Sometimes they're a bit riveting and they get a little exciting. Sometimes they get stupid because we talk about stuff in the Gateway Pundit. But at the end of the day, guys, I'm always striving to make sure that we evolve the show. We always try to improve the show, the production, the quality, the sound quality, the content. But most importantly, we want to make sure everything is 100% truthful. And if for some reason something is misspoken or I put out something that might be a little askew, once I get the correction, you know me, I will correct the record. My, I have no pride and no ego here. I will admit when I'm wrong and I will correct the record. Again, how unbiased and neutral and, you know, how, 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 you know, how, um, yeah, basically how unbiased can you be? Impartial. That's the word. Are you willing to keep an open mind and look at everything for what they are and look beyond the evidence for what it is? Because remember, we don't have it right. I don't have a monopoly on the truth. Neither do you. There's only one who has really the monopoly on truth, and that's God and Jesus Christ. That's it. Nancy was asking, Jason, can you please post a link to this movie in Telegram? Absolutely. Yes, I will. Absolutely. You got it, dude. As Michelle Tanner would say, you got it, dude. <laughs> All right, guys. I am going to sign off for the day. I will be back here tomorrow at 8 a.m. Um, yes, I'll be doing a show tomorrow. It might be a one-show day tomorrow. Um, Sunday, I will probably be doing a... I might do one in the morning as well on Sunday as well. It might be a one-show day tomorrow, just the Bible reading, and possibly a one-show day on Sunday. Um, just fair warning. So I just might be just doing a Bible reading tomorrow on Sunday. Um, and then Monday evening... Um, I'll get right back at it again, uh, possibly, if we don't go to the gym or go to the pool. It might be possible. We might just do a one-show day, you know, on Monday, possibly. Um, to answer Nancy's question, what time Saturday? 8 a.m. tomorrow, 8 a.m. Uh, it, it could possibly be 9, all right? If that changes, I'll post it on Telegram. But right now, 8 a.m. tomorrow and Sunday, and then back to normal time, uh, 7 p.m. on Monday, Unless, like I said, we go to the, the water, uh, to the aquatic center to go do some swimming. Um, then it might be like 730 and that might be a one show. Now, keep in mind on the days that I do one show, it won't be just the Bible reading. If you ever see a plus plus in the sign, uh, um, in the title of the show, that means I'll talk a little bit more about, you know, some random stuff or if there's something that's newsworthy or, you know, assembly update of another state assembling and putting out public notice or whatever. If you see a plus plus, that typically means that, um, It'll go, you know, I might talk about one other subject uh, beyond the Bible reading, just FYI. So, but, um, but anyway, but that's it. I hope you all have a great day or great night. And remember here at His Heart Line, we are firm, we are steadfast, and we are uncompromising. And it is up to us to toe the line, hold that line so the enemy does not cross it. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you back here tomorrow. God bless. Time to wake Time up. To wake up. <laughs> <laughs> no longer can we rely on those same people in the media and politics who will say anything to keep our rigged system in place. Instead, we must choose to believe in America. 
History is watching us now. We don't have much time, but history is watching. It's waiting to see if we will rise to the occasion and if we will show the whole world that America is still free and independent and strong. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another or from one party to another, but we are transferring power from Washington, D.C. and giving it back to you, the people. For too long, a small group in our nation's capital has reaped the rewards of government while the people have borne the cost. Don't be rude. Don't be rude.